We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to a GSPN emergency podcast. Maybe an hour after posting this morning's Euro Step with myself, Ty Windish, and the tremendous Rohan Kadi. We got, you know, we talked about, I think it's still a worthwhile listen. We talked about how the playoffs have shaped our coaching takes, Chris and Brooke potentially coming back, all sorts of things. But we said, oh, if we think the coaching list has been narrowed down, we don't know how narrow, we don't know the names. But of course, within an hour, we got the names. We now have them. And I'm joined by the very knowledgeable Adam McGee to dive into these three names, present our favorite, which if you listen to our last pod together, you already know, but we're going to go in deep on these three names here in this emergency pod. Adam, how's it going? It's going well, Ty. Um, I didn't have to do another podcast an hour ago <laughs> to only jump on this one, so it's probably going better than it is for you, but this is the this is the high risks of kind of this situation. We've been doing well up until now. We might have one or two more episodes or this is possible, but we're reaching final stages, it seems like. So some clarity is finally emerging. It is. So the report today from well, earlier from Mark Stein, he just had one of the names, Adrian Griffin, Raptors lead assistant who also interviewed for that job and maybe a couple of others. There's like five open jobs right now. Also with the note that at this stage in the process, candidates are talking to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is part of the decision. You know, Giannis, of course, is always part of the decision. Obviously, wasn't sitting in on the first 18 or whatever Zooms with John Horse. But now at this stage that we've gotten to the serious candidates, Giannis is factoring prominently, of course. So we got Griffin earlier, and then Woj comes through with the full list of three, apparently. Former Raptors head coach Nick Nurse and Golden State Warriors assistant, former Nets head coach Kenny Atkinson. So let's actually start with Griffin because we waited until the end to talk about he and Nurse. And I feel like generally everyone is pretty familiar with Nick Nurse at this point. We've talked about Kenny a lot on the last pod. We'll get to Kenny. 
I didn't even look up as much about Adrian Griffin. Quite honestly, I got a little excited about Chris Quinn watching this Heat playoff run. I didn't expect it to be an assistant who had not been a head coach before. Here we are, though. Adrian Griffin in the final running. I know, Adam, you went deeper on most of these candidates than I think anyone here at GSPN. What is your, I guess, quick wrap on Adrian Griffin as a coach? Well, I think my initial reaction to the final tree and to seeing Griffin's name in particular on it is clearly horse ownership, whatever it might be. We'll just say the books are somewhat enamored with what the Raptors have done, or maybe it is some knock-on effect of having seen the Raptors up close and having lost to the Raptors at one point, maybe viewing them as a comparable franchise. Toronto is a major market in an NBA sense. They've long had a battle to make it a big market and an established market. So a coach and a coaching staff who went and had success, success with a superstar there is something that I think seems to have an obvious appeal to them. Uh, I think it's interesting, particularly as things have kind of turned for the worse with the Raptors, but that's the standout thing right away. Two of these three candidates, Raptors head coach and Raptors associate head coach. Uh, as it comes to Griffin, Griffin is one of the assistants that I, I think we spent a lot of time talking about the, the interesting routes that a lot of these assistants take to get to this kind of position where they're in the running for head coaching jobs and what kind of staffs they end up being a part of, what the kind of the lineage they're under is. And Griffin was one of the more interesting ones, which I guess in part just comes from being around the NBA a long, long time. Like he has served his apprenticeship and maybe also interesting as to your point and how we might have felt about assistants. If they're going for a first-time assistant, this is a guy who has really, really been around the league for a long time. This is very different, for example, to a, a Charles Lee, who still is in the league nine years. But you're basically doubling that. Adrian Griffin was an NBA player as well. So someone that really has bucket loads of experience at this point. I think a lot of the headlines from his coaching career, some of his early success came with the Bulls under Tom Thibodeau. Um, in really what was the last truly relevant and good Bulls team um, in the Derrick Rose era, Joachim Noah, Carlos Boozer, all of that kind of thing. I mentioned on our previous pod, for anyone who heard that, he is most widely credited with the development of <laughs> topical player at the moment, Jimmy Butler, from those days in Chicago. He has always been pretty humble about that, and he's put a lot of that credit onto Ron Adams, one of the most kind of esteemed assistant coaches in the NBA. Um, but Jimmy Butler himself has always gone out of his way to shout out the role that Adrian Griffin had in his development. And kind of post, post Bulls, post Thibodeau, things got a little bit weirder and he was just kind of jumping around. This can happen for assistants. He did a year with Scott Skiles in OKC. I think Scott Skiles' final year. Maybe maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that, but he was there for the end of Scott Skiles' time there. Um, or sorry, I take that back. Scott Skiles I'm talking about in Orlando, which the Skiles say, connection is the one. I don't, so, I know, don't remember there's another Skiles' Scott. OKC. Yeah. There's another Scott who factored into all of these assistants yep. and isn't here. But as you mentioned, Skiles was someone who was kind of a weird kind of, I don't know, um, Kevin Bacon-esque figure for a lot of these these uh, coaching candidates where you could do five degrees of Scott Skiles. Um, Usually a lot so, less than five for most of them, I think. 
considerably less. So Griffin is someone who Skiles throughout his career was a pretty important person. Um, his first piece of coaching with anyone came with the books when he didn't make Scott Skiles' books team was a final cut and was offered a spot as an assistant coach. So he reteamed with Skiles in Orlando and where the OKC comes in from there, he goes to OKC and is a part of Billy Donovan's staff before landing in Toronto with Nick Nurse. And with Nurse, he's become very much kind of the focal point of that staff beyond him. He has become the name figure. He is the person who for years and years has been put forward when the Raptors are at their absolute peak as this is one of the next top head coaches in the NBA. This is one of the hottest names in the mix for every job. He was a yearly staple of Kevin Arnovitz's profiles of like up and coming assistant coaches. And it just hasn't quite happened for him. It's tough to get a read on what his basketball philosophy will look like in terms of X's and O's because he has been through so many coaches. That could ultimately prove to be a selling point that he's got a really well-rounded view of the game and he's taken the right things from all the right coaches and he can put it together as a magic formula. The thing he has talked a lot about, and it seems like he's done a lot of podcasts over the years, is his coaching philosophy in more of a kind of a coaching of men sense. I, th- I think it came up on that pod, his father was a preacher, and that clearly kind of resonates still, and there's an undertone to that into, again, kind of a leader of men approach. Um, authenticity is the thing that keeps coming up that he kind of stresses as the absolute kind of fundamental core tenet of what he views his coaching style as. So for me, from the outside, and again, he may have pitched the books, the best X's and O's philosophy of anyone, but he is the candidate who seems most, I don't know, maybe motivational, like a a slightly different profile of head coach. I think, funnily enough, certainly to Nick Nurse, um, but also to Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's it's going to be relevant throughout this process. Certainly if the Bucks hire him, the other component of Adrian Griffin making it this far is something we covered on our GSPN uh, deep dive on all the candidates at the time. Last week, he was accused in 2020 by his former wife of domestic abuse. Um, there was a countersuit involved that ultimately was dropped and, and um, settled outside of court. Obviously, that is uh, a red flag to be sure, and not something that you know we we would associate. We would like to associate with the Bucks, certainly. I mean, we've seen Milwaukee venture into waters like this before. Who can forget everyone on Twitter begging for Rodion's Karuks to be cut after every game until he ultimately was? Uh, I do think this is something that um, you know anyone with a brain, and certainly Bucks fans, are passionate about. And and I think. You know, if if Adrian Griffin is the choice, I would at, at bare minimum hope that we get something better than the Chauncey Billups situation in Portland, where they really just pushed through it. I mean, it was pretty there was some pretty ugly Blazers PR examples of, you know, questions about it getting shut out and, and all of this. So um, that's going to have to be tackled as part of this. And I can already tell there's going to be people, you know, in the chat, in the comments later, rolling their eyes saying, why do we have to talk about this? It's going to be talked about. And we have to talk about it because, you know, the Bucks decided that he was one of the best three options and maybe the best option. We'll see. Seems like maybe uh, within a week or so at this point. I mean, we're now that we're down to three, things are, are moving pretty quickly after what we felt like was a slow and sluggish initial search. But uh, it's got to be a topic because, you know, it's, it's part of Adrian Griffin's profile and it matters. And it, it's really important 
to not gloss over these things. And I think, you know, we would be duplicitous if we, you know, just kind of let it go now after we, I think, rightly criticized the Raptors for doing that earlier. It's something that has to be addressed. Um, I will say I thought given the Myers-Leonard situation, which is a much different situation, the Bucks were up front and tackled that openly, um, mm-hmm. which I think the best way you could given that situation. So uh, I don't think that it, it's untenable, but I would I do think it's going to be a, a, it's going to be a thing to to put it simply. Uh, and part of why it's going to be a thing is because the Raptors didn't deal with it at all, and in part you get away with that easier when he's an assistant coach and not the head coach. That's so the the Raptors were able to kind of glide by that, say they're going to let the process take its course. It did to an extent, but there was never really any clarity from any side um, to come from that. And that that's that's fine. And I think a lot of people say, look, people's own business is their own business. When you're appointed head coach of an NBA franchise, though, you are the public, you are the front facing face of that team and beyond that of a city. And that is the case in Milwaukee. You're right. Doesn't mean it's untenable. It doesn't mean that he won't speak on it in a way that gives great perspective and people say, okay, well, you know, people deserve check second chances or he's learned whatever it might be. But absolutely essential is that some clarity comes from that. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be it's a tougher one for the books to be as upfront on and pushing the narrative out there, particularly as Mars Leonard, the example you give, which is a different situation. But part of getting out in front of that, too, was Bud did some of that as well. You don't have a head coach, so you'd need John Horse to kind of take on the Bud role in that dynamic. That seems very unhorse like. But if Adrian Griffin is the route that they're going to go, I, I do think it's something that it doesn't have to be a defining thing. It doesn't have to be the only thing that's talked about. But it, it can't just be swept under the rug. I do think it has to be addressed from the beginning. And if it's addressed appropriately, then people can move on. Couldn't agree more. So I think Griffin, in addition to the off-court, the surprise is never been a head coach before, although, as you note, has been all over the NBA. Probably not surprising that two out of the three candidates to make it this far are both former NBA head coaches. Let's talk about Nick Nurse. You know, I, I think we I actually joked about him not making as much sense. I don't know if you saw Jim Ozarski's piece in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel yesterday but one of the one of the big surprises was a quote that um, Horst is looking for a coach with more edge in terms of scheme, which of course makes sense given how things went out. And then some Bucks players, multiple, are looking for a coach who's going to make more personal connections. And now, of course, you know what we talked through on the pod with that was, you know, are these Bucks players who maybe didn't play as much as they would like in the playoffs? I mean, I think. That quote means a whole lot more or less depending on which players we're talking about. You know, if it's Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis, we've already seen be vocal on Twitter about some of this stuff. Okay, sure. If that's Drew and Giannis, different story. I don't want to speculate, but Nurse not really seeming like the coaching option who's going to have more positive personal relationships with players. Uh, if anything, maybe the exact opposite of that, which there are fans who think that's what the Bucks need. You know, more of a, a – I don't know if disciplinarian is the right word, but, you know, more of a, a harsher voice. I think he certainly is probably the most harsh voice that, that we've looked at in this process. But a championship head coach won a lot with the Raptors outside of their, their multiple bad years where he didn't win as much with the Raptors. Um, what are your thoughts on Nick Nurse? I, I think largely not positive, but it's probably – not that surprising that he's made it thus far, right? 
No, it's it's not a real shock. And I mean, Woj's follow-up is that Nick Nurse is also looming, looming large in the searches for Phoenix and Philadelphia. And I guess we can't. Like, that's we'd have our opinion over what the best job of those three is, but it's not a runaway. So there's a case to be made for any of those if he has any preference for a variety of reasons. It's not even a guarantee that the books decide Nick Nurse is their guy and Nick Nurse decides, yeah, well, the books are the team for me. Uh, he's undeniably a good NBA coach. He's an NBA champion coach. I do think that this would have been a hire if you did this three years ago and there was some kind of sense of you could have lured him away. I feel like the NBA has kind of moved past uh, what Nick Nurse was doing. And as that has happened, Nick Nurse's quite literally his voice has strained and become a little bit different and his personality has evolved in a more outsized way. To me, it's not the fit for this roster. Now, I'll be completely upfront and admit something I think applies for a lot of books fans. He comes with a lot of baggage for the books. We've gone up against him and his team in the playoffs, and I think a lot of books fans just don't like him that much right now. I'll put my hand up and say I'm very much in that group. I don't think that's really shading it too much, though, because when you said the horse may be looking for a coach with some more edge, when you started there, I was like, oh, well, Nurse has got the job. But when it's edge in terms of, like, schematically, that's a different situation. His offense, there would be some concerns. He has had very good offenses, but it doesn't take very much drilling in to find the source of those offenses. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard being a someone who could deliver some of the best that Toronto had in that regard. And his defense, I think when you're comparing it to where the books are at, I, I, I don't see with the roster, as we've talked about before, people could have grand ideas, but with the roster and with the inability to make wholesale changes, you're going to be cycling through similar options. It's just whether you can find someone who can make better choices in when to pivot from one to the other or game plan better or just have a better read of situations. Maybe he's the candidate who wins people over. I will take a guess. He might be the most confident candidate in this search. Like that will be fueled by being the most in demand coach in the NBA this offseason, having your pick of the biggest jobs that are open, still technically being employed by the Raptors. So he's he's not even in a spot, isn't he? I don't think so. This came up recently because I thought the same, but I don't know if he's actually been the uh, I'll Google. I'll Google. Which they may just be holding on for some compensation, which wouldn't be great for the book's point of view either. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, th- my answer on this is he's clearly a very, very good coach. He's officially out. Um, he is out. Yeah, okay. they, they officially fired him. Although clearly he seemed like he uh, he wanted to be out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's funny how slow things are moving in Toronto too, even from a Griffin perspective. That's yeah. you think they might just be like, okay, well, Griffin's the guy and let's promote internally or they're one of the teams. They're not going to have their pick, but they are moving quite slowly, even slower than someone like Detroit was moving in terms of their process. Well, I wonder for those with all the openings, I wonder, I mean, Griffin being a finalist for the Bucks job, Maybe maybe the Raptors were like, yeah, we'd like you to be our coach, Adrian Griffin. Maybe Adrian Griffin is saying, let's wait a minute. Um, just want to see, doing pretty well in this other search. Wouldn't mind coaching this Giannis guy. Uh, I saw how Nick fared with this roster. I think the thing with me and Nurse is, you know, he, he won the title. He was known before taking over that job. He was the offensive guru on Dwayne Casey's bench. Obviously had a good enough offense when they won the title and had Kawhi Leonard. Really hasn't since then. It's such an odd grab bag of like the year after Kawhi left, they were still really good and probably mm-hmm. better than you would think they should be now if you look at those players. Then I think Lowry goes and that that hurts them pretty badly. They've been very up and down uh, almost season to season, especially if you go like bubble year, the year after when they I think were in the high 40s again and then last season and, and this season not quite as good or maybe I'm mixing up the timeline a little bit. It's so difficult, though, and this is true for really almost every candidate. We have no idea how these coaches would use someone like Giannis because there really isn't someone like Giannis out there. And that's why, as a good point you made earlier with, I think, Griffin, I mean, who knows if Nick Nurse has – he might have the best Giannis plan on offense ever, right? Like he might have a whole book of things that he thinks they should be doing and a new system offensively that will keep their offense going. We don't know. I, I think the, the signs for offense aren't super encouraging with him. But as we've talked about a lot extensively, pre-Purdle, the all-wing team Masai built just really wasn't working all that well, right? Like we saw it just it, – it, it was not able to execute on both ends. And I think they lacked a lot of important NBA skills. I think we probably could have guessed that would happen like that all along. But they tried it. It didn't work. And I do think it wasn't an easy situation to coach in. And I think – Certainly his abrasiveness didn't make it any easier. I also think there's been a little bit of weirdness there for a while, especially with a guy like OG Ananobi, who feels like he's in in rumors pretty much all the time. Um, So there's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. I do think there's no doubt he is abrasive. He is a good coach. We don't know if he's a great coach. He has gotten over the hump, which I'm sure means a lot to the Bucs in this search. Um, But I I don't think it's a, a horrible hire. I think it is maybe... Is it the highest variance hire possible between good and bad? I think I think there's a, a lot of leeway either way in this one that maybe there isn't for as many. I guess, I guess you could say almost any assistant probably really I, is. I think it applies for, like, we'll talk with Kenny Atkins in a minute, who you and I have spoken before about very much being in support of. I'm not going to pretend that Kenny Atkinson is a guaranteed success home run. I, that yeah. doesn't exist post-bud for the books. That's the reality of it. You've got to hope that's the case, but it's it's no guarantee. I think there's real variance in all of these. Nurse is the most explosive. Yes. 
And maybe that's okay, because if it explodes, well, how long have you got left on this anyway? And you tried what you tried with the coach that everyone would respect. The coach has won a championship, and maybe that's where they go. But it's... I don't know. I can't see, like, a if they start struggling on their nurse, I can't see, oh, it's not quite there, it's not quite there. And whether it's in a postseason year one or in a year two, it all miraculously comes together. I, I think if Nick Nurse comes in, you've got to hope the players take to him and his message and the early returns are good. The books need the early returns to be good with any coach, but I think with nurse, it will kind of be, he's either going to work for this group or he's not. And they're not going to be particularly fans of him. And if that's the case, honestly, like it could be it. I mean, and that's, that's the reality for any hire here. It's this, this could be it. If you get this wrong, everything changes and, your next hire, one, is probably not being made by John Horst, but two, is looking at a completely different outlook. You're looking out into the wilderness, quite honestly, for, for the foreseeable future. Got a couple big chat updates. I did a poll, which of these three should be the Bucks' next head coach. Adrian Griffin may be in chat. There's one Adrian Griffin vote, uh, 7%, but Kenny Atkinson leading the way, 64%, strong margin, then Nick Nurse, at 29%. I will not to toot our own horns. I did see a fair amount of comments on YouTube and on social after our pod last week of people going, I kind of see the light on Kenny Atkinson now. I, I kind of get it in a way I didn't before. I think too much is made of his Nets tenure and probably not enough at his stops before and after, as we covered in detail, where he got to learn uh, most recently under Ty Lu and Steve Kerr. Before that, uh, Rick Edelman, Mike Budenholzer, I'm forgetting Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. Um, so he's really a who's who of great coaches to work under. The other big thing from the chat, Carl O says, this is the first time I watched the pod on YouTube. Adam looks like Jack Black. So can you react to that first? I've never had that one before. That's a, that's a good one, though. Is it? Okay. I think so. I mean, I, I like Jack Black. Yeah, he's universally liked. Yeah, that's for sure. That's my reaction like type. You don't sound like I don't. We sound, we sound quite different. <laughs> Um, Kenny Atkinson, though, I, I just went over it quickly. Um, I think we agreed he was one of our top two. I think almost all of us at GSPN, he was up there, maybe three for Rohan with Chris Quinn uh, sliding in above. But I think still the best mix of really exciting potential, which probably isn't something we talk about with coaches very often, but given all of the names he's worked for even recently – and he's got the head coaching experience. Not his first gig. He's done this before. He's not going to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Not saying Adrian Griffin would be lost Missoula style, but you never know with a with the first-year head coach. So, what are your thoughts on Kenny Atkinson making the top three? I wasn't necessarily like expecting it. If you'd asked me, he was my number one. But if you'd asked me to predict who the books would have at this stage. It's honestly shocking that Monty Williams isn't here. I mean, I think that's I, I just couldn't have foreseen the books not having Monty Williams at this stage of their interviews, having interviewed him before as well. Um, not really casting a judgment on that one way or another. I just I it surprises me. Atkinson to me is I just think he's the ideal candidate because I think there's gonna be enough continuity in his ideas from what the books have been doing and doing successfully. And yet there's enough there that is going to be different that will bring a fresh perspective and that will hopefully add some of the seasoning that has been missing to just round things out. One of the things I, I keep talking about, and I, I know it's something that 
probably a lot of people viscerally disagree with because they're just like, no, but we've got to get rid of everything of that. The books were very, very far from a completely broken team. They do a lot of stuff really well that if you're to tear everything up and start from scratch, one, it might just not work out that way. And I think this roster has been built to play in a way that aligned with what Bud was doing. And I think a coach who will be able to come in and just pick up with a lot of that, but also know where it needs to change and know how to change it. To me, that's the fundamental thing. I just think Atkinson is the best candidate. And then to speak to what you were talking about, I find it surprising, although you're right to know, you don't know which players, and it could be guys who aren't getting minutes who think, oh yeah, I'd like a coach who has better relationships with players. That has always kind of been Bud's thing, but that is certainly something Kenny Atkinson has always had a strong track record, both as an assistant and as a head coach in Brooklyn too. It was in part essential to how he built out that Nets team to overachieve. So to me, he would fit that profile about as well as anyone. It's just, it's really a matter of, I think, are they looking at it in that way? Or is this just a point in the book's journey and where they're at and the players they have where it's just going to be profile? That's going to be put your ring on the table. We're getting rid of a championship coach. We need another championship coach. Kenny Atkinson has a ring as an assistant, um, but there's a chance they just are like Nick Nurse is the guy because of what he's been and done. To me, Kenny Atkinson is the best candidate, though. I agree. Um, and I think interesting to note that Atkinson and a bit Griffin, two of the three finalists, have pretty strong player development backgrounds. I think Nurse a little less so. Uh, Rohan and I talked about, uh, in relation to Chris Quinn, how that can be important with the Bucks financially hamstrung by this new CBA, developing young and undrafted players and, and guys like Marjan. It's going to be crucial going forward. So I think that's something that Atkinson could certainly bring to the table. Um, last question before we get out of here, Adam. We, we both prefer Atkinson. I agree for all the reasons we've said. Who do you think the Bucks will hire? And how glad are you it's not Mark Jackson? <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I'm very glad. I couldn't <laughs> imagine the world where that happened, but I'm incredibly relieved it's not Mark Jackson. I think they hire Nurse. Mm. I don't want it to be Nurse, but I think they hire Nurse. I, I I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hope alive in my heart of hearts. I think it's gonna be Kenny. I think I think he's gonna come through. I don't know Giannis. Giannis having the way in here and probably making some extent making the decision really makes it fascinating. Um, yeah, very exciting, very worrying time. Uh, on the Giannis thing, I'm not. I wonder how accurate the reporting is because I'm not crazy on that. Yeah, uh, I think they, they actually nailed this last time in the way that you bring your best player into it and you don't make the decision before consulting with your best player. Best players, it was. Yeah. Chris and Giannis famously had breakfast with Bud. But they had picked Bud. I mean, they maybe hadn't told all the other candidates you're out of contention, but they had said, okay, Bud is who we like. Let's get him talking to Giannis. If Giannis likes him, he's the coach. I think that's the way to go about it rather than if Giannis is involved with conversations with tree coaches and then you're being like, hey, which of the tree do you like? I One, I just don't think that's the way to run the search process. And two, is Giannis the person to take like his judgment on that? I, yeah. I don't know. It's That's very tough because a player is going to be in a position where they're naturally going to be reacting in regard to what they like from the coach who's just left or what they didn't like, what they feel needs to be corrected. And that may not be the kind of 100-foot or 1,000-foot view that needs to be taken to get this decision right. So if Giannis is actually in the process where 
they're working out which of the tree is their favorite, and Giannis is also talking to all three guys. I'm not not yeah. crazy about that. I think they got it right last time. And I, I should say, uh, we did the certain reporting from Mark Stein certainly wasn't that Giannis got the final decision. Um, no, of that, course not. That was not, and you know, maybe it's just a like, you know. A, a yes, no to all three, and then they make their decision from there. I mean, certainly you wouldn't want to hire someone that Giannis really doesn't see himself um, connecting with. The mm-hmm. Giannis nurse dynamic, though, either way, whether they hire him or not, is, is going to be fascinating to unpack. We will do that going forward. We will, of course, be back with another podcast when the hire is made. There may be a win in six later this week. Could be that news. Yeah, could there be should, something else. Should be, could be. Um, but we will be back to cover this thing on all fronts. There's a succession pod, two more succession pods at least coming soon. I'll make time for this. There's cruising for a bruising, talk of the tundra. Check out everything GSPN has to offer at gspn.info. And everyone watching on YouTube, if you're not already, please subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Don't miss the next big news pod. We don't go live too often, but big news breaks during the day. How could we not? So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed. We hope the Bucks make a hire that we are all very happy with. Um, I won't say the percent chance on that happening, but thanks again for watching and listening. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, everyone.